Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. Thanks for joining us. We're broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian. We're going to be taking your calls and agronomic questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. And the best part about it is when we get a call or we get an agronomic question, we almost always get feedback saying, wow, yeah, I was thinking about the same thing and, and possibly even a little bit gets added to the discussion of, yeah, I, I know you're talking about doing that in furrow. I'm doing it two by two. What do you think about that way? And so there's a lot of different ways to do things on the farm and you can be successful in many different ways too. So it's fun talking about different challenges that, that you may be having on the farm and Hey, we may have had the same one in ours as well. All right, Brian, uh, it's farmer Friday. I got a bunch of questions on email. Any topics you want to bring up before we get started? Well, I would just say it's planting time and your chance for the greatest yield always starts on the day you plant. So I know you're probably excited to get going like we are in our farm. Tomorrow is technically our first day of planting uh, in terms of crop insurance, but the ground's just not fit. So we're going to end up waiting till Monday. I will say though, if you're talking about cold, cold to me is different than fit. Fit has to do with moisture. Cold is another discussion entirely. And we talk all the time, if you're going to do extra steps to make corn pop out of the ground and, and just flat out survive well when it's cold, you can plant when it's cold. I, I, I'll tell you right now, we're going to be planting corn next week when it's 35 degrees. And I don't have any issue with that. Soil temp will probably be 40. Uh, that, that's no problem. If, again, we take these extra steps, like making sure we have great seed treatment, infero insecticide, infero fertilizer, and even infero fungicide. So we're going to be using some Zyway, I know, um, but we've used other products in the past too. I'm not saying that fungicide infero always pays, but I am saying early on when you're planting into really cold soils, you need a little something extra, okay? And so I am absolutely not a believer in this imbibitional chilling thing that they talk about all the time. I'm, you know, we plant all the time and we have cold weather and we have great stands, perfect stands, in fact. And I'm going, what, what are people talking about with this imbibitional chilling thing? But what it amounts to is if you don't take these extra steps. I mean, we literally have uh, at least 35 seed treatments on our seed, uh, close to 30 naturals. And they're, they're just so many things that we're doing extra to help that seed survive. If you don't want to do those extra things, by all means, wait for the weather to warm up. But yeah, we absolutely will be planting next week and it's going to be cold. All right, let's get to the phone lines. We've got Robert calling in from Illinois. Robert, how's it going today? Oh, it's going pretty good. It's a little windy for spraying, but I'm, I'm still spraying at 15 mile an hour and under. <sighs> yep we've we, we we're from south dakota we deal with wind every single day it seems like so yeah i i feel your pain it's frustrating so what are you doing to to offset that are you keeping the bar really low are you using a drift retardant using bigger droplet size what do you do to kind of mitigate that i'm got the boom as low as i can go and if i'm in the vicinity of a of a house or, or garden, I'm, well, I'm staying away from those situations for the most part, but uh, if I have to be downwind from a, a house or a garden, I just go real slow, get the pressure down. But uh, the uh, uh, my question today was, um, I have 
I've run out of my, my cheap generic dicamba that I was using. Okay. And uh, the supplier has uh, distinct, and I was wondering whether I realized it didn't have the safener in it that Status has, but would you recommend it for a burn down uh, pre-merge? You know, we're probably 10 days away from planting any corn. Uh, yes, it, it works fantastically. Yeah, you're talking well. about one of Brian's favorite products here, Robert. I thought, oh yep. man, he's going to be excited about this one. Yeah. Uh, well, and and he's he's right. I, I mean, Distinct is a way better weed killer than Dicamba or 2,4-D. Um, I, I mean, it is, in my opinion, the best broadleaf killer that we've got for annual broadleaf weeds. So yes, I love it. It's great. It's just, I, I was just mentioning these cold temperatures that we have coming up next week. So for example, we have two days next week where they're talking 48 degrees for a high. I don't care what you spray. If the high temperature for the day is going to be 50 degrees, it's not going to work very well. So that, that aside, yes, we love distinct. <laughs> so as long as you're not spraying in unbelievably cold temperatures, we feel pretty good about it. And yes, you can absolutely spray that in front of corn. We're, we're 75 degrees today. And normally our weather is two days behind what you're dealing right. with. So the, yep. I, we're seeing the same cooling trend through next week. Now, I'm also running uh, 22 ounces of PowerMax in, in with that. And uh, what I've observed on the cold situation, like what you're describing, is generally, general rule, the stuff dies. It may take a while. Yeah. Um, so anyway, with Distinct, it's got two modes of action in there. So there is a little bit of dicamba in there, but then there's this other active ingredient called difufenzapir that's not found in anything else other than status. And you mentioned, okay, it doesn't have a corn safener, and so I assume where this question is coming is you're worried about the safety of that corn. We really aren't that concerned. So, I mean, as okay. long as you're using it, and, and you can look right on their label, and it says it can be applied up to seven days before planting at four to six ounces. It's just if you're running a high rate, then they tell so more than six ounces, then they tell you, hey, you should really wait at least 15 days before you plant. Uh, so that's okay. what that's what it's going to tell you on the label. But, yeah, we've never seen any issue with distinct. But as I say that, Distinct is more expensive. And so that's typically why guys are running Dicamba early on. And so, yeah, if you can't find any more Dicamba, I, I get that this year is a little crazy for all yeah. these supply issues. So I, I understand where you're coming from. We typically save the, the Distinct or, you know, usually it's a status with uh, uh, the safener now. But we save that for post just because it does cost more money. So, yeah, if, if, I, if I could, if I was you, I'd still probably look for the cheap dicamba. But if you can't find any, Distinct is just fine. This, this has been on the shelf for a while. They're telling me they're going to give me a good price. <laughs> uh, good good I, is always questionable. Yep. All right. Well, hey, Robert, thanks for the call and good luck out there. Stay tuned. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe this spring with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people. 
and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. With stronger bean prices ahead, don't let white mold reduce your yield and profits again this year. Contans WG reduces sclerotia in your fields, eliminating white mold at the source. White mold was a major problem in 2019, costing soybean farmers valuable yield potential. As you rotate back into those white mold infected areas this spring, protect yourself by applying Contans. Clean your soils and return lost yield potential to every soybean you plant with Contans WG. Weed control without the BS. That's more time to apply without wasting time. That's flexible tank mixing that doesn't bend the truth. That's near zero volatility with unmovable principles. With the Enlist weed control system, there is no sacrificing. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com. Welcome back. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Once my sister unmutes me, I, I would just suggest this for all, for everybody today. Uh, if you're listening and your sister has the power to mute you, she will just take note of that. So anyway, uh, happy to be here on Farmer Friday, broadcasting from the Ag PhD uh, radio studio here, the Morton studio. And we're taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844 844- 44 Ag PhD. Let's head out to Michigan and start things off with John. How are you doing today, John? Good. And yourself? We're doing pretty well. We're getting anxious. Brian's probably, I would say, I don't know if you have any of this in your operation, but I'd say Brian's a little too anxious. Like, oh yeah, we're definitely planting corn on Monday and it's been raining all week. And I'm thinking, you know, it's Friday. It's not really the sunniest or warmest day here. I'm not so sure we're going to plant on Monday, but he's really excited to get planting. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, thinking about pushing some early beans this year. So we've been I've been kind of chomping at the bit. We've uh, got a little lighter ground that we can probably get on fairly soon, but the uh, uh, the sprayer hasn't rolled across with the pre-emerge yet. So just just got off the phone with the guys, and that's coming back next week from the dealer. So uh, hopefully, once the sprayer rolls, I want to try to do a little bit of try to get going on the pre-emerge on that stuff and and. I'm itching. I, I want to try a little bit of this of this earlier planted beans and see how they go and and uh, go from there. So we've been uh, in contact here this week uh, with uh, MSU, and I think we're going to work with them again this year on some of their smart trials. Um, we did some fungicide trials with them last year that, uh, well, they didn't really show much of anything as far as uh, any sustainability significant increase with them but we weren't at a time frame that we were at any real high disease pressure we were pretty dry there along in that july august time frame so we didn't have the environment to show it so right right yeah we've been it's unfortunate when that happens i know we did a really big goss's wilt study and it was 2012 (laughs) it just didn't rain and we didn't have (laughs) any disease at all yep and 
I hate to say the way we've been, we, we've been getting pretty dry and warm early. I've, I've had this just gut feeling about 2012 repeat again here, but uh, we got 26 hundredths of rain yesterday. And uh, so we got a, a little bit here a week or so ago. So we're, I think we're going to be all right as far as moisture here, as long as it keeps coming a little bit. So timely in that. So Yeah, it gives you a little more confidence. in the day, the wind's. The wind's blowing pretty good, so it's it's a nice day. We've been trying to just the last few things on the planters and get them ready to go and and that. So the last of the tractors through the shop and that kind of thing. So yeah, it just complicates things, John. When you want to throw some beans in early, and if if you say, "Well, I'm getting all set up for corn," that's one thing. But you say, "But I want to also throw in some early beans and just see what happens." So now you got a little bit extra work. Yeah, a little bit, but uh, again, like I say, that where I'd start with is a little lighter ground, and that's always kind of the first thing we get onto. And and the plan was beans for that this year. We we haven't looked at really moving or shifting any acres. Um, I I try to keep pretty close to the same rotation that we do every year with things. So um, less salt really strikes out one way or another. That that we do that but sure i i try to get my marketing right up front with it that you don't have to play that in the end of shifting all of a sudden you know that uh you know just because it's a little more profitable one way or another you also got to keep in mind what the effect on the soil conditions and you know your rotation how that affects your overall program so I don't shift much one way or the other. So. No, it takes a lot of variables out that way. We started getting seed deliveries in this week, so I'm getting excited about getting started here. So awesome, awesome. All right, well, we'll try and we'll try and calm yeah. Brian down on this end, so we don't get going too terribly fast. But hopefully, <laughs> hopefully everything goes smooth for you on your end too, John. Good talking to you today, and good luck here. Yeah, I do have a couple of quick questions for you, though. Oh, go ahead. Um. So I've been looking into some strip till options and things. And I had one question. I know you guys do a lot of that. Yep. Um, with your beans, do you still run 30 inch beans on your, with your strip till behind that? Or do you guys do something different? You you keep them the same with your corn to keep it in the strip row or yes. how do you guys yep. do that? Yep. Yep. Yeah. When, okay. when we strip till a bean field, then we will plant it in 30 inch rows. We've done a lot of stuff in, in with the drill in the past 10 inch rows, we've done 15 inch rows, we've done all kinds of things in soybeans, but when we are strip tilling, then we for sure are planting in the 30 inch rows so we can follow the strip. And we haven't found that it's, you know, an enormously huge thing some years, but we just thought, especially this year, it's dry. I mean, we're in a severe drought area right now, and we don't know what's going to happen. We might get all kinds of rain and that this issue's all done. But we're just thinking, hey, the odds are better than normal. We're going to have dry weather. And we know that strip till really pays well in dry weather years, in part because we have like no compaction now down to the bottom of that that uh, strip. So for us, that's eight to 10 inches deep. So those roots are down there like almost immediately. And we've got fertility down there. So we're leading the roots down. So that's generally a good thing. And we find that in these dry years, um, yeah, we come out just a little bit ahead, whether it's corn or beans. Okay. Yep. And that was one of my questions on that. So that sure. Like I said, we haven't gotten the equipment set up yet. I I really wanted to try somebody in the area that's got 
I prefer a dry program, especially if I'm going to strip it like sure. that. Yeah. And trying to find somebody in the area that would do a little bit of custom work for me to do some trials before we jump into it, buying the equipment and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'll, I'll just tell you real quick. Our our only I'm not even going to call it a hang up, but our our only issue with strip till is just. It takes a little bit of time, and you have to have at least a halfway decent operator because we are going to set the rows for where we want to plant. And typically, we do our strip till in the fall. We've done some in the spring, but we do most of it in the fall. And I really like that. We get the fertilizer out there. Um, It's one pass. We leave most of the residue. Uh, on top of the field. I mean, it's, you know, uh, in my opinion, kind of the best of both worlds between conventional till and no-till, because at least about two-thirds now of the ground has all the residue left. It's untouched, everything, yet right in the strip where we're going to plant. We put fertilizer, we've reduced the compaction, we've made a nice black strip, it's warmer in the spring. So there are a lot of advantages to it, but, you know, I, I, can certainly see why somebody might go no-till or somebody might go conventional till. I'm not saying it's the only way to go, but we do like it. Yeah, like I said, I'd like to, I've been interested in doing some trials with it and see how it goes from there. Yeah, so. absolutely. Um, the other question I had is on, on a chemical for this, for uh, soybeans. Okay. What's your opinion on verdict up front with your residual when we use a program with the metribuzin and such? Well, can I be blunt? <laughs> I'll t- yeah, I'll, I, that's why you I, don't I, expect <laughs> anything other than that from Brian, do you, Jen? Not uh, especially. Nope. Uh, honestly, I hate it. I, there's no possible chance I'm ever going to recommend it or use it. And the reason why is this. Your Sharpen in there is a great product. We love it in front of corn and in front of uh, wheat. But when you put it in front of soybeans, you have to keep the rate so low. So here's here's my example. Verdict, the maximum rate for soybeans is five ounces. That's going to give you one ounce of sharpen. Well, one ounce of sharpen's mm-hmm. got maybe a couple weeks residual. That's it. Whereas you could spend the same money and put out Valor and have two months worth of residual or authority and you'd have okay. three months worth of residual. So I, 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 okay. I, I mean... I'm always looking at dollars and cents, number one, and I, I'm telling you, you wouldn't yep. have to spend any more money. You could go the other way. And then the other thing is I'm looking at what's best agronomically, and I say, well, would I rather have two weeks residual or two months residual? I'd rather have two months because I don't know how your fields are, but my fields are weedy, and I don't want any of those mm-hmm. stinking weeds robbing my yield. So, yeah, that's why typically we'll end up going Valor or Authority instead of the Sharpen. Now, the Outlook portion of your verdict, I don't have a big issue with that it's fine i just usually like saving the group 15 for post-emerge but it can be used pre-emerge we've done that plenty of times too so i don't have a problem with the outlook part of the verdict it's just the sharpened part of the verdict that's the problem and by the way one last thing you can't put verdict out there and add valor or authority because that's an overload of ppo and it'll hurt the beans okay all right hey john we get a run but thanks for the call you bet stay tuned you're listening to ag phd radio A lot goes into keeping a precision operation moving. The inputs you choose have to deliver results. 
New Delaro Complete Fungicide from Bayer offers unmatched consistency and the most complete disease control available. Your corn and soybeans are protected and yields higher, even in unpredictable conditions. With Delaro Complete, you get results you can count on to help keep your precision operation running smoothly. Always read and follow label instructions. To learn more, visit delarocomplete.us today. Protect your empire. Rule your fields with dual modes of action. Low-use rate Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC combines Group 14 and Group 15 modes of action for pre-plant and pre-emergence control of key broadleaf weeds and grasses. A preventative application keeps your fields clean when it matters most to crop productivity. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. Makes life simple, and it's a secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. No matter what time of the year it is on your farm, with a Bayer Plus Rewards program, earning and redeeming rewards are always in season. Because when you buy two or more eligible seed or crop protection products throughout the year, you earn $3 per acre in cashback rewards. Cash you can redeem and reinvest in your farm later in the season. That's Bayer Plus Rewards, and that's how we're helping make every part of your season, well, rewarding. Visit MyBayerPlus.com to learn more. See program terms and conditions for full details. Are you worried about nitrogen loss this spring? Well, we asked retailers what they thought about Instinct NextGen Nitrogen Stabilizer from Corteva AgriScience. What they said was so inspiring, we got an actor to reenact it. <clears throat> it's a great return on investment. A great return. Investment, investment. Great return. All right, I think I'm ready to record. It's that simple. Instinct NextGen is a great return on investment because it protects your nitrogen. Learn more at protectnitrogen.com. Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. We're broadcasting from the Morton Studio today and taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. we got Tom who's been hanging on here for a while. He's down in Oklahoma. Tom, thank you so much for hanging on and thank you for calling in. You're welcome. So how are things going in Oklahoma? Good. We're low little on the edge of being dry, but not bad like western Oklahoma. We're on the eastern edge, so we're actually in pretty good shape. We're just always afraid it's going to quit raining. We're fertilizing pastures and spraying them. Corn's mostly in, getting bean ground ready. We're, we're, we're not in bad shape. We've been so wet the last three springs in a row that we just couldn't really do anything and we ended up working a lot of ground just to level up ruts and get it back in shape but we're we're doing all right 
All right, talk to us about the pasture. Is this Bermuda grass that we're talking about? Predominantly Bermuda. And what do you do for fertility on that? Do you do everything in one shot, or are you you doing stuff well, in several if, different shots? Where we have access and can get it, we love chicken litter. But now sometimes you can get it, sometimes you can't. So where we don't put out litter, we're running. We like to run twenty eight double oh five, but it's sometimes it's hard to mix different chemicals with it. Graze on next being one of them. This year we're running next and thirty two percent. We usually switch chemicals every year. We'll go next one year and something like Cimarron Max one year, and then we might go with 2,4-D and Dicamba or 2,4-D and Picloram. We never run the same one two years in a row. That's a good strategy. Just make sure they keep working and and don't run anything out of gas. How about uh, how about on this corn that you said you've got got in already? Did you put a pre down on that? What is your weed control strategy for this year on corn? We ran, we, we run, we raise conventional corn. We just have a local chicken market for it. So we usually run warrant and atrazine and then come back with Callisto later. Okay. Yeah. I was curious about the HPPD and you saved that for later. I like that strategy too, because it's so cheap for a post-emerge product. Uh, that that we've gotten a lot of questions about that. If you're double dipping on the HPPD, that kind of thing. But but uh, glad to hear you're not. That's good getting that pre out there early too. Uh, well, now, we have a big morning glory problem. Oh. In other words, we'll be combining corn sometimes in late August, early September, and morning glories give us fits if it's a kind of a wet late summer. Okay. Okay. So you've so had we're good success. To do everything to keep them down. Yes. Pretty pretty well. Okay. Last year we had some corn get hailed out, and it got behind, and we had to go in and and with some pre-harvest stuff to get onto it. You know, we we try to stay ahead. We are having trouble killing ryegrass in our burn down though. I don't know if our ryegrass is getting resistant to Roundup. I don't really know what it is, but you now we're ryegrass is giving all of us fits. Yeah. Yeah, it sure is. What what do you see in Brian for alternatives to that? Because you're right. If if Roundup's not working as good, and especially there, you're more likely to fail in burn down type situations too, just because weather's cool and stuff may not be growing as well. Those types of things too. So, uh, what are alternatives for grass burn down, Brian? Are guys using Gramoxone? Or are they doing something different? Yeah, I mean, it all depends on uh, what type of rye we're talking about here. But yeah, if it's a perennial ryegrass or even like Italian ryegrass, then it's going to be well established when you get into spring. So so then it's going to be at least a little bit harder for gramoxone to get it under control. But nevertheless, um, gramoxone can burn it down to the ground. Otherwise, you start talking about any of the other grass killers out there. So like in front of soybeans, obviously, a lot of guys are using uh, clethodim, super cheap. When you start talking in front of corn or some of these other crops, then we got to be a little, a little careful with the rotation or, you know, the time before you're going to plant. But yeah, I mean, there are plenty of grass killers out there. And I'm with you, Tom. I mean, we are starting to see some more glyphosate resistance in different grass species. And it has been confirmed uh, with Italian ryegrass from actually quite a long time ago that we have seen that. So anyway, yes, we are seeing some issues. I'm pretty sure this is Italian. And and if it's in a conventional field, 
where it's going to be dry long enough, we'll just work it, feel cultivated right. a couple times, just to try to get ahead of it. Yep. And we are running some clothodium. We actually ran Roundup in clothodium last fall. Sure. Uh, oh, I say it's fall, November, but it, it, we've got another flush coming, so we're going to have to hit it again. Yeah. Yeah. With that clethodum, you can up the rate as well. So a lot of times we talk about kind of a standard rate, and, and you might even hear us talking a standard rate of clethodum on our show, but if you've got um, early season where this the Italian rye is starting to get tall already on you before you get out there, you just bump the rate and usually that works pretty well. And and since that since that herbicide is relatively inexpensive, it's not that costly to bump the rate by a few ounces an acre. What rate would you run a class of them? Um well, first of all, it depends a little bit on the formulation that you've got. There are three different formulations of clethodim out there. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I, I just want to make sure we're, we're all on the same page. But the old um, 2E formulation, so that's what used to be select uh, years ago, the straight select, that's the one that we commonly talk about. And generally speaking, we will say four ounces in soybeans is a is a good rate but you start talking italian ryegrass i was just going to look on their label and see what they recommend but most of the time i'm talking to guys about eight to even possibly 12 ounces i'll just see if they got what we were we were going to plan to run eight and hoping that would get it <laughs> yeah yep so yeah italian ryegrass that is what they say is eight ounces uh and i'm just it's it, we we can't in this country in this country when it's wet if we burn it off with paraquat we just can't get it you know we get rained out and we come back and we just haven't done anything it'll it'll beat us back to the field yeah yep what what I and I, I want to come back to what I was saying before uh, oftentimes I'll say eight but even as much as twelve just so you know Italian ryegrass even right on their label will tell you you can go as high as sixteen ounces so. Okay. You know, I, I, again, it all depends on what we're burning down in front of. I, I mean, clethodim doesn't have much much residual, but it does have some. So if you're going to burn down in front of a grass crop, then you have to give it usually seven days before you would seed that grass crop. Well, we're far enough. We're about done planting corn, so we're just getting ready for beans now. Sure. So we'll yep. be good on yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. And, but, yeah, I, I mean, a much higher rate is labeled for a burn down as opposed to labeled for in-crop. Okay. Well, we're getting, we're actually, I hear y'all talking about it being dry up there. Believe it or not, we're drier than we normally are this time of year. Well, well, I believe me, I believe it. Uh, when you, we're talking Oklahoma, you guys are so much hotter than we are. That's, that's the real issue. I mean, dry for us is different than dry for you because, I mean, very often we can get by being dry for a while. We've got heavy soils and we don't have all that heat and... And we don't evaporate off all the moisture like you guys can down there. And we're up. See, we're 80 degrees already today. We're probably 80 or above. Yep. And it's it's common for us to be over 100 in the summer, and that's what really hurts. <laughs> you know what our average daily high at the hottest point in the year is, Tom? Uh, it's like 84 or 86 degrees. That's it. <laughs> right, I know. Whole different world. Hey, Tom, thanks for calling in today. Best of luck to you down there. 
Okay, y'all have a good day. Thank yep. you. Yep, you too. Thanks. All right, Brian, got a quick one here. It's from Joshua. He said, you guys were talking about how to kill sagebrush the other day. It's an interesting argument because we're fighting hard to preserve sagebrush landscapes. Grazing's important, but to consider a plant to weed just because you don't want it and it helps your bottom line to get rid of it or sells chemical is short-sighted. I'm glad. Well, that's literally the definition of a weed. <laughs> it is a plant that's growing where you don't want it. I mean, the number one weed in soybean fields is corn. <laughs> well, corn's like the number one acreage crop in the United States. So, yeah, I mean, that's that that's what it's always going to be is people are going to kill stuff uh, that shows up where it's they don't the want wrong it. Place. Right. Yeah. We're not saying we want to eliminate every sagebrush on the no, face of the earth. No. Just the ones that are in our pasture where we're trying to graze. Thanks for the feedback, though, Josh. We appreciate that. We'll be right back with more of your calls and questions after this. Downtime during spraying can lead to huge yield losses. Keep rolling with the Pentair Hypro Force Field. This pump features a unique self-regulated chamber that allows the pump to run dry while eliminating cracked seals, so you can spray longer and more reliably. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from Farm Shop MFG. Our spike design excels on variable soils and shatters compaction. Plus, the unique shoulder firmer encases the seed to maximize seed-to-soil contact. Order yours at farmshopmfg.com. You're looking for soybeans that give you the yield you want. But when it comes to fighting your toughest weeds, you also need flexibility. Introducing Extend Flex Soybeans. Elite Genetics with triple tolerance to dicamba, glyphosate, and glufosinate. The yield you want, the choice you need. Learn more at extendflexsoy.com. Always read and follow IRM where applicable, grain marketing, and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, when weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. It, one question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim. I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. It means our phone lines are open. You can email us a question. We just like talking about ag. And if you've got an agronomic thing we can help you with, uh, please call in 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Chris with us right now from Wyoming. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Good, good. Anything going on in the fields out there yet? Uh, we got quite a bit of field work done. We're working on strip tillage right now and putting down some fertilizer. So we're going. Yeah. What are you seeing for fertilizer availability? I'd assume you probably booked a bunch in advance, so it, it may not be a big issue for you. But are you seeing a tight supply out there, too? It is tight. I do know that. We we took some more norm- We took more on hand than we normally ever do because it was getting tight, but it is tight, but we got what we need for now, I guess. So we're hoping it would let up after a little bit, but it's tight. Okay, talk to us about the strip till and, and about your part of Wyoming. Is this becoming a more popular practice out there? Are guys catching on? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot going on. I mean, there's uh, a local dealer close to us um, started uh, strip tillage back in the 80s. And so some people had done it a long time ago, and then they've kind of changed the program, they changed their system, and, and we kind of got into it as much as fertilizer placement as well as strip till and so a lot of our fields we are still flood irrigated so you got to do some tillage ahead of time but we do it for fertilizer placement and uh, make the planter ride a lot better and and uh like a little garden tiller out there every 15 inches to make it pretty much a perfect seed bed so that's kind of how we're doing it and a lot of guys uh have come they've come with a different design more recently that they have, people are switching over to so there's a there's a lot of a, a lot of guys in the area that have uh, some sort of machine that use it i'd say three quarters of the people in the area use some sort of strip till outstanding outstanding uh one thing i've been thinking about too how about with your irrigation district i know there's some challenges there in the past is everything up and running everything in great shape now <laughs> Well, not great, but there is, they're working through some things. It's one of those things that was a hundred year old tunnel system and basically nobody had done any maintenance for a hundred years. And then we end up with a huge issue where the tunnel collapses and then we lose our water. And, and so they've, we've struggled through some stuff the last couple of years. Last year we had water, but the water supply was less because we were struggling getting through the, the the repairs, and so they've done some work this winter. But it's a multi-year project because you know there was no maintenance for a long time, and it's one of those infrastructure projects, like a lot all over America, that needs some help that were put in a long time ago, and then nobody's ever done anything. It's really amazing it's lasted that long. But yeah, yeah. Well, so it's, we're, it's working, a, we're working through it. It's expensive and a big project, and and yeah, it's. Everybody wants to push it off and push it off before they have to spend and invest the money. But, man, I, I just think about, you know, well, it's never a good time for to have problems, but then to to have some years where you get kind of dry, it's, uh, boy, it's really terrible timing. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully things work well for you this year. Uh, okay, well, one last question for you. What are you going to do right. to win your state yield contest this year? Are you going with the same plan? Are you making huge changes? Uh, <laughs> everybody wants to know, and we want that early heads up. Well, I don't know, I guess. Last year we had these <laughs> great ideas. 
And then uh, we got all the cord in in April, and then it got super cold, and it took three weeks for it to come up. So we knew we were in trouble. And then on the back end, it froze the 7th of September. And uh, so it was over with. Yeah. So we raised the white flag, and it was what it was. And so we had all these great intentions, and then there's a lot of variables out of your control. So. Yep. I think a lot of it is you got to have a good you got to have a good stand and you got to have that's part of why we're doing the strip till because we know the planter performs better. And if you can have a perfect stand and some good but off to a good start, you know, that's about the best thing we can do and to try to help ourselves. But you know, we last year we had some fields that were the same fields that we had in 2018 and we had our best yields we'd ever had. And last year we did almost the same program same weed control, but just environmental factors. We were almost half the yield we were wow. in 2018. And so this is one of those things you just you, you can control what you can control, and the rest you just got to let go, I guess. Yep, yep. Yeah, Mother Nature's got to cooperate a little bit to, to, to help farmers be successful, no doubt yeah. about that. Well, Chris, good luck to you. Uh, hope uh, hope everything goes smooth for you this year, and hope hope Mother Nature does respond this year and give you some good crops too. Good luck to you, too. Thank you, you, guys. Thank you. Let's head uh, out to Central South Dakota. Got Cody with us right now. Cody, how are you doing? Pretty good. So what's happening on your farm? Oh, we're just trying to get a few things ready to start planting here, hopefully in the next few weeks. Um, Got winter wheat all fertilized, and it all looks pretty good this year so far. Yeah, that was going to be my question. How how did stands make it through the winter? Did you get snow cover, or was it just a mild winter for you? What do you attribute a good stand to? We had snow cover. Um, I I actually had some PP ground, so we got to put some winter wheat in early, so it came up nice, and then then we all ended up getting a little bit of snow cover on everything and helped us out there. So, um, and just the other day, now we had. Uh, two and three quarters inches of rain. Wow. So, yeah, yeah, we ended up with quite a bit compared to surrounding neighbors. So you bet. Yeah, I'll take it. Bank that up for the year. I guess uh, for, for our listeners here, don't know where Cody farms. When I say central South Dakota, it can get awfully hot and awfully dry out there. So when, when you catch some rain and, and you have some moisture in the soil that, that lets you know, you got a shot and, and I'm sure you're glad to hear the winter wheat's responding. Now you got the fertility on there, man, that, that could be a really good crop. Yeah, we, that's what we're shooting for. Anyway, I, I think this year I'll add a, quite a few extra micronutrients and maybe a little extra nitrogen the way it's looking. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that's, that's fun. Um, talk to me about the pheasant population out there. What, what kind of winter did the pheasants have? What are you expecting for this coming year? We get so many people whenever we have somebody from South Dakota on, they're like, ask them about the hunting, ask them about the hunting. <laughs> the hunting, uh, last fall we actually did, we had, a, we had a good fall. Um, it was, we were going to have a tremendous amount and then of a hatch, and then we ended up losing some. We're still not 100% sure why. I think it was an overabundance of stagnant water, but we're not sure. But this year, going into it, um, actually, when I was spreading the fertilizer in the winter, we, we actually seen quite a few birds around in areas. I was doing a little bit of uh, tillage before the rain on some of our food plots and low-lying areas and it was amazing to see the amount of birds that i did see so it 
kind of excited. Yeah. Um, we had a wild winter, you know, so that, that helped. Um, it'll be interesting to see what mother nature is going to give us here during nesting area. Sure. Sure. Well, getting some rain now that really helps. And you're right. If we have a good year here, it could be an awesome fall with lots of hunters coming back to South yes, Dakota. As long as if we can, if we can miss the cold rains, because I'm pretty sure the one hen had a nest already, which it's, it's early and no relay, but if we can miss some cold, cold rains, I don't want to say we miss rains, but the, the cold and that nasty stuff that that does hurt our our hatch so. sure sure yeah that's uh i don't know it's fun just even talking about it here i know we're months away from from seeing the the end result of everything but yeah if we can get a good crop and and also have a great pheasant population built up this year uh you can't get much better than that in south dakota no and i i have seen guys actually get some winter wheat planted this year and that does help our our uh, population tremendously it's it's amazing the years that we don't get winter wheat planted how much how many less birds you see in that area versus the years that you actually have winter wheat planted yeah yeah so. it to- totally makes sense yeah the habitat's a big big deal we're talking with cody here in central south dakota cody thank you so much i know you're busy getting everything ready to go here uh, for spring but but thanks for talking to us for a little bit and good luck to you yeah thank you you have a good day you too it's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back after this. Weather or not, relentless control is what you get with Anthem Max Herbicide from FMC. Protect your season from tough broadleaf weeds and grasses with dual modes of action and overlapping residuals that also minimize resistance. With an easy-to-tank mix formulation and wide application window, Anthem Max Herbicide is ready when you are. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Precision crop nutrition pays. And AgroLiquid has precisely what it takes to help you succeed. The right products plus the right expertise to give you guidance based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. While our clean, seed-safe formulations and lower application rates make planter fertilizer easier than ever. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmyourway. 
High-yield growers know that bringing in big bushels means establishing excellent emergence. Start your crop off right with the Germinator Closing Wheel from FarmShop MFG. The Germinator Spike Design excels in variable soils and eliminates sidewall compaction. But what makes the Germinator unique is its inner rim shoulder firmer, which encases the seed with soil, maximizing seed-to-soil contact. It's not just any closing wheel. Reach your yield potential at farmshopmfg.com. When it comes to innovative herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. New Farm brings you Credit Extreme, the herbicide with dual salt technology that makes all the difference. Faster uptake, quicker rain fastness, and better control in variable weather, something we've all had our fair share of. When you need more powerful weed control for challenges like lamb's quarters and velvet leaf, with excellent safety to round up ready crops, you need Credit Extreme. New Farm and Credit Extreme, here to help. Thanks for listening to Ag PhD Radio. It's Farmer Friday. We've got a number of questions that came in via email. I want to dive into one of those. This came from Ed. He is up in Ontario. He said, I'm in southern Ontario, and my yield goal is 200 bushel corn, 60 bushel beans. I, of course, want to push it a little bit higher. I've got some new ground that I picked up this spring. It's on a year-to-year lease, so I don't want to break the bank on this thing. I pulled two-and-a-half-acre grids. My local fertilizer dealer gave me some recommendations, and I think there's a lot missing from those recommendations. I know the ground's low on P&K, but they don't really offer me any recommendations for micros or sulfur yet. It's tiled ground. It's been beans for 10 years. I'm going to put it into corn this spring and then go back to beans next year. I'm just wondering what the high rates of P&K needed. I feel like I should broadcast the fertilizer and work it in with a cultivator and then side dress 28% later. Wondering what you think about that. Okay, so in terms of broadcasting it, that's fine. Just understand when it's on a year-to-year lease, um, that P&K, there's a huge percentage that is going to go to the next guy. Or put it another way, it's going to go to the next year. So you're not going to recover it. Typically in ground where we say, boy, we don't know if we're going to have it next year, that's where we almost always recommend banding. So that'd be my first piece of advice. You could use the same dollars and you'd get more bang for your buck if you band it rather than broadcast it. Now, if you're going to band this much fertilizer, because they're talking, let's see, 135 pounds of phosphate and almost 300 pounds of K2O. So I'm going to assume, well, I, I, I guess I shouldn't assume anything. I'll just leave it at that. We're, we're talking about a lot of fertilizer here. So if you're going to put a lot of fertilizer on and band it, you can't have it close to the seed. So what we will typically do with rates this high is we will deep band it maybe six inches to eight inches below the seed, and then it works fine. But otherwise, yes, I understand why you're talking broadcast. I would also agree with you to say, hey, all I got was recommendations for P&K and maybe a little bit of looks like magnesium that they've got there. Um, how about everything else? Yes, um, you've got relatively light soil. It's 13 for cation exchange capacity. You got to make sure you have some sulfur out there, number one. A little bit of boron would most likely be helpful because you're, you know, in that light soil, you're not going to hold nitrate, sulfate, or boron very well. And your zinc levels are kind of low compared to what you're putting on for phosphorus. So I'd put a little bit of zinc, probably a little bit of manganese. I mean, I'm not going to spend much money on these micronutrients, but at least take a few dollars and put to zinc, manganese, 
sulfur. And then, I mean, we don't even have levels on here for the tests for boron and for copper. Those are two other nutrients we would like to look at as well. Right. Thanks for the question. Oh, boy, I hate to bring this one up, Brian. I've got a drainage question here, and I know this could eat the whole rest of the show. It's from Wesley. And yeah, I'm just giving you a hard time, Wesley, because I know Brian loves to talk about drainage. So Wesley's in Kentucky, and he said, I re recently purchased a tile plow, plan to begin tiling as soon as it dries up. Now, I've never tiled before, and I was wondering if you had some basic tips I should keep in mind. Certainly, I understand water runs downhill, but that's about as far as my knowledge goes putting in tile. Okay, first of all, yes, I love talking about tile because I love talking about things that make the farmer money. And this is number one on my list all the time. That's the first money that should be spent on a piece of ground, other than maybe if you have to do some dirt work or something like that. But if you don't have good drainage, everything else is a failure. Okay, so I, I'm glad you said water runs downhill. <laughs> That's usually where we start with guys. Like, just keep the tile line running and you're good. You know, as long as the slope is okay, you're fine. Uh, one basic rule, though, that I, I would say, or this would maybe be two rules, but anyway, you want to have your main line have the most slope and your main line needs to run in the lowest area. Okay, it, it, as much as you can. Now, in addition to that, with your lateral lines, I'd rather have my main line running up and down the hill and my lateral lines running across the hill, okay, rather than your lateral lines running up and down the hill. So just a couple of simple little tips there, but otherwise, um, I, I would also encourage you to, to think about expansion in the future. So when we first started tiling in our farm, our dad had come originally from north central Iowa where everything was tiled and he just told us hey as long as you can afford to upsize your lines especially your main line just do it because it's going to mean that much longer until that line fills in with dirt but then the other thing is if you ever want to expand then hey you already got your main taken care of it's easy to add more laterals later on and we have done that for a lot of our lines we put in back in 2007 through 2009 when we first had our tile plow we have added on to that so we are now going further up into the side hills, even to the hilltops. We're putting more lines down in our, our low grounds. We have some cases where it, it does sit pretty low, catches a lot of water, and we're going clear down to 20, 25-foot spacing just in those little spots. So anyway, think about expansion as well. So yeah, there's lots that we could talk about, and if you ever end up with any specific questions, let us know. All right, Brian, got some soil tests here that came in from Ed. He's in Indiana. He said, I'll give you a little background. Two and a half acre grids. I irrigate from a ditch. I've got pretty well-drained ground. My typical rotation is seed corn, then rye for grazing cows all winter, then soybeans, then rye again. I put on poultry litter, municipal sludge, and cow manure. This year I'm going to plant just regular commercial corn rather than seed corn. So I'm wondering, what would you do to improve the soil? Would gypsum be a good idea? And just looking through, Brian, I, I saw we need calcium in a big way. Uh, sulfur is always good. We get some, but we're going to need some more. And boron is really low. That's some things that I noticed. Yeah, so I'm sure that's why he's saying, uh, should I put gypsum on? Because gypsum is calcium sulfate. Here's the thing, though. This soil is very light. 
we're talking five for cation exchange capacity. So you don't want to get your magnesium too low and your calcium too high. We do like seeing the magnesium somewhere around 20. Now I'm guessing the magnesium got so high because of some of this sludge that you put on and maybe there were just tremendously high levels of magnesium. I'd be interested to see some of the test results on what you are putting on that field. But yes, where you've got 36 for, or you know, there's a lot of 30s for magnesium percentage. That's that's really high. So we'd like to get that down to 20 or maybe just a hair less. And you do that basically by putting a little more calcium on. Um, other than that, there's nothing here that's really, I, I would say, terrible or or anything like that. Just you got to continue feeding that crop and feeding that soil and also trying to balance things out a little bit. It's hard when you're putting on sludge and you know manure and you get inconsistencies. So I'm sure that's why you've got as much as 200 pounds per acre of phosphorus in some areas, which is great. That's what I shoot for on our ground, down to 40 pounds per acre of phosphorus. That's way too low. So definitely in those low spots, you got to hit that. It's just, all I'm trying to say here is there's a lot of variability. You got to make sure that you uh, try, well, let me rephrase that. Um, In order to get the best return on your investment for dollars you spend, spend some money in those low testing areas. Oh, one last thing that I'll throw in. A lot of times we'll say on the show here, 4 to 8% base saturation K. And that's a good rule, except for when you have sand like you do. When you have this really light soil, then you want to be probably at that 8, even up to, I mean, there are some guys that go 15% base saturation K because the point is you don't have very many pounds. So I'm not saying go 15 or even 10% base saturation K, but like for you, when I see a 5% base saturation K, Okay. To me, that's already where I'm going. Ooh, I'm, that's an area where I would stick some more potassium, and you'll you should get a return on that. All right, thanks for the question. And oh boy, I got some soil tests here, Brian, but I think we can go pretty. We can quick go quick. On this. Sure. Okay, this one's from Ryan. He's farming up by the Canadian border in Minnesota. Rented some new ground. Got pattern tiled, fifty foot centers seven years ago. Wants to lower the pH and what else we're thinking on there that will help him. It's really heavy dirt. Yep. Low P, low K, low sulfur, low micros. To me, I'd be banding fertilizer in that heavy ground. Yes. So I wouldn't even worry about fixing the soil when it's rented ground. I would worry about, hey, you got to feed the plant and there's not even close to enough potassium out there or phosphorus uh, or sulfur. So I would be banding these nutrients. I would prefer to deep band them, keep... When you're, when you're going high rates of stuff, keep it away from the seed, just like we were talking about with the last uh, email that came in or one of the last ones. Uh, so if you're putting a lot on, I would deep band that fertilizer. But, yeah, you, you need a lot of stuff here. Yeah, there's a lot to go. And the banding can even work for sulfur. I know if you've got good drainage, and, yeah, and you, it, I, I don't know if 50 foot's it, close enough on that it, heavier ground personally. It, but it, it can. Honestly, I'd broadcast the nitrogen and the sulfur, but I would band the P and the K for sure. All right. Thanks for the, the questions, Ryan. We really appreciate that. And, and good job taking soil tests, too. That's really important to, to fully understand what's going on in the soil. Thanks for listening to our show today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. Radio.